Dr. Jekyll's out for retribution in the form of some suitable flash for his cat person. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Adam Ball, and this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Hello and welcome back to the show. It is another week of movies for us to look through. And I've got to be honest, on paper, the four movies that we are going to talk about today that Van has already seen, in my eyes, all look really good. But of course, looks can be deceiving as far as movies go. Uh, So let's start with Eddie Izzard's Dr. Jekyll. I'm a massive Eddie Izzard fan, so I'm hoping this is good. Well, first, no, no let, let's start, in fact, with a happy anniversary to you, sir, because it's your one-year anniversary <laughs> of co-hosting this show. It I don't, is. don't want that to go uh, unaddressed. But yes, Hammer Horror, Hammer Films are back. This is the latest attempt to uh, to revive Hammer, and it stars Eddie Izzard as, uh, as, as a new uh, female uh, iteration of Jekyll and Hyde. So you've got uh, Nina Jekyll and Rachel Hyde in this iteration. So, but this time the story comes about through, um, again, through the, the Mary the Mary Riley type servant character. Uh, here is an ex-con who has take, takes on a job, uh, basically working as manservant to um, you know a pharmaceutical billionaireess who's got a, debilit- a sort of unspecified debilitating condition. But of course, every time she smokes one of these mysterious green cigarettes, she seems to become an entire different person. So, have a listen to Eddie Izzard in Dr. Jekyll. There are cameras in almost every room. Nina has been resistant to coexisting with staff until you. I hate you're working for Nina Jekyll. We're alone up there. I have a daughter and see her. I need this job. You forgot Nina's meds. Ari is lucky to have such a determined father. Maybe I am the making of you. I mean, this genre and this kind of movie is perfect for Eddie Izzard, isn't it? It's, it you know, to be honest with you, the the excitement that ran through me when some, when someone said, "Do you want to come and see a new version of Doctor Jekyll?" starring Eddie Izzard. I was like, oh my God, that's got to be the greatest movie ever. How is that not a banger? What a pairing of, you know, know, actor and material there. Like, that's that's going to be great. Um, It's not... I'm, oh, I'm, sad no! to say, I'm sad to say it's not. I really couldn't get into it. There's things about it that work, but there's a lot more that doesn't. And uh, yeah, it, it just doesn't quite gel. There's, there's a the, the hamminess to the acting that Hammer films have always had is still there, but at the same time, you've got this much more modern style of filmmaking that's been applied to it. Joe Stevenson, incidentally, director of Chicken, um, has, has directed this, and uh, the two don't necessarily work so well together. It just doesn't. It feels weird. It feels naffer than it should. Like, it just feels silly, to be really honest. And uh, having said that, Eddie Izzard, as, as you say, is worth the movie, in a sense, because Eddie Izzard, she's going full full tilt on this one. Um, there's, there's a whole recurring thing about crunchy nut cornflakes, of all things, in which you get to hear Eddie Izzard in, in that distinct voice saying, crunchy nutty cornflakes. <laughs> um, but, product placement maybe 
I, I think it's meant to seem menacing, but um, my friend Jess and I went to the... But that's it. My friend Jess and I went to the premiere of this, and we um, we, we were just cackling with laugh. The whole A lot of us were cackling with laughter every time we did it. It was quite silly. Um, incidentally, so that premiere, went to uh, Odeon Leicester Square for the premiere of Dr. Jekyll. Uh, full red carpet. Uh, shebang uh, awesome balcony seats the works and uh, we got uh, subjected to this sort of marketing presentation thing before the movie started in which they they, they just rolled out the sizzle reel and it was effectively hammer is back you know this is our launch on hammer is back and then the sizzle reel basically depicting the history of hammer and also talking about how the wonderful john gore theatrical producer i think he is uh john gore had you know now owned the company and was going to steer it in in a new direction with this great new vision but the message was hammer is back and you came out of this movie and just thought no it really ain't because that just it just doesn't work it it's so tedious a film it's so disjointed in I, I think what it wants and the potential is all there as well because like i say eddie Izzard in yeah, but it just seems like a lot of very hammy monologuing. So yeah, it's worth seeing for Eddie Izzard, but the film itself does not use Eddie Izzard in any, with anywhere near the potential the idea of Eddie Izzard in Dr. Jekyll might. And that's massively frustrating. Um, but you know, decently enough directors, I will say that music is a bit over the top. The music is really over the top at times. Like over the top of- in what way? Just the the music just takes the takes scenes that should be nice and atmospheric and silent and just makes them really stupidly bombastic. Uh. Like, what are you doing? Stop. Anyway, um, so no, I I don't think it's in any way near near the film it should be. It's it's kind of a two out of five experience. If I'm being honest, it's a two star experience at best. And one of those stars is in t- one of those stars is decent enough direction, and the other uh, the other star is Eddie Izzard. That's and that's it. Those those are what the two stars comprise here. So if you're quite open-minded, you like mm. Eddie Izzard, you'd probably think it was okay. I don't know. I think you'd be bored. I really think you'd be bored and find it a bit listless, to be honest. Oh, that is a bit of a shame. But um, if you want to make your own mind up, you can. It is in cinemas from today, Dr. Jekyll. Uh, right, in a second, we're going to look at suitable flesh. So stay right where you are. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Mmm. Hello and welcome back to the show then. Uh, Let's crack straight on and jump headfirst into our next movie, Suitable Flesh, which uh, it's got to be a thriller, right? Oh no, this is straight up sadistic, son. Oh Oh, my God, strap on him. So this is an adaptation of a 1937 HP Lovecraft uh, short story, uh, The Thing on the Doorstep. It's uh, been brought to the screen by Joe Lynch, uh, who directed the, uh, I think, 2013-2014 Salma Hayek action movie Everly, which was really fun and violent and twisted and absolutely worth checking out if you get the opportunity. And uh, the Peter Dinklage uh, LARPing comedy Knights of Bad Astom. Uh, so what he's got here is a story that, you know, we sort of open in media res, you know, and then we, then we get a sort of flashback. There's a framing device sort of set up. And you have an, an incarcerated, in a mental hospital, incarcerated doctor played by uh, Heather Graham. And Heather Graham tells her, her, her friend, a fellow doctor who comes to check on her in her cell, 
how she got into this situation. And it began with uh, a patient coming to, uh, you know, a young man in, in, in crisis coming to her as a, as a potential new patient and demonstrating multiple, what she thinks is multiple personality disorder, only to discover it is in fact an ancient demon with whom he sort of shares his body part-time. And... Uh, a, a very a quickly emerging inappropriate uh, attraction develops between the two that sucks her into this equation as well. And before you know it, nobody's safe. Have a listen to the absolute insanity that is suitable flesh. Your doctors are all the same. You ask a lot of questions, but you don't like answering them. Do you? Well, have you seen a lot of other doctors? Doctors, healers... Potion dealers, lots and lots of priests. Well, do they explain why this happens to you? Why you forget who you are? No, I, the devil makes me do it. I, I think you change personalities to escape the pain and the rage you feel because of what he did to you. And you came to save me, didn't you? My hero. When you say an attraction between the two of them, which uh -huh. two do you mean? Do you mean the <laughs> devil side or the real him? I, I, yeah, that's kind of up for interpretation. Ah. Um, but, but oh wow, this is this is this is a doozy. This one, Adam. Oh my god, stick this on. I know you've got your. Uh, you, oh, I think we've got a screening link for it. I'll have to share the screening link with you. I know you've got your Please. link around tonight. Um, this whack this on. This is bonkers. So this opens. Straight off the bat, this opens with uh, what I call a zip shot, where the actual frame becomes the zip. And uh, but it, it, the camera moves in a very specific way to assert it instantly as having real directorial swagger. Some of the shot compositions in this are awesome. And so much so that you hear a sequence like what you've just heard in that clip, which sounds like something out of a US soap opera. It's very Red Shoe Diaries. But then you get, then it immediately leads to this wild, frenzied sex scene that's shot like something by Yorgos Lantimos. I bloody loved it. And then Jonathan Skeech turned up, which made me love it even more. By the 20 minute mark, I'm sat there thinking, this is cartoonishly you know, messed up. Um, but like I say, you get those sequences where it's like made for streaming, melodramatic, Red Shoe Diaries for the 21st century. But then you get things like this amazing use of like a park a reverse parking camera yeah which absolutely inspired and the center of it all is heather graham who like i say starts out doing this red shoe diaries thing but she's really going for it like genuinely sterling work from her she hasn't been this good in a long time she's not she's not back on boogie nights form but she's pretty good. And then, to cap it all off, it absolutely sticks to the landing. I thought this was really, really good. It's it, it it's one of those movies that it feels like it should be... It, it's got the makings of a Cronenberg. It's not quite a... It's, it's kind of like a cheap Cronenberg. A cheap, more plasticky Cronenberg, I think. So, are there any, like, amazing big jumpy moments or bits that really get you thinking is it a psychological thriller in any way or is it all just laid out in front of you it's pretty much it's i think there's meant to be a bit of suspense to, to what is actually going on but the thing is that the film it kind of lays it all out so bare that you know it's kind of there in advance for you to see it's not really much of a mystery going on through this i think it wants to be kind of drag me to hell ish but it's it's not quite got that cloud. It's still, like I say, quite cheap. But having said that, 
it's got a decent cast to it. Like I say, I mean, Jonathan Skage turns up, uh, who I haven't seen him in anything since. I think he was Jonah Hex on the Legends of Tomorrow. Um, you've got Barbara Crampton, you know, horror royalty uh, Barbara Crampton uh, in there. And Bruce Davidson, Bruce Davidson from, from like X-Men. He's in there. And to cap it all off, I mean, at one point, I was watching this movie, I'm watching this movie, and I'm starting to think to myself, the plot to this, the plot to this is literally the lyrics to Down With The Sickness. If you know the lyrics to, 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 to Disturb Down With The Sickness, they literally describe the plot of this movie. It's fascinating. <laughs> You've made me want to literally Google the lyrics to that song right now and just read them um, out to you. I'm not going to, though. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I think I think when you watch it, you will think that's like, oh, yeah, 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 he's right now, yeah, because yeah. you'll just. I think there's a couple of things said aloud that kind of share share you know, uh, with the with the song. But uh, yeah, so this is really good. Like I say, um, Heather Graham, I really enjoyed uh, Barbara Crampton. So much fun with Barbara Crampton in this. Um, yeah, who's just I, I think fully anime. I think she's produced this as well. Crampton's actually produced this through her own. Uh, label as well, so she's actually helped shepherd this to the screen. But yeah, Lynch, I think, is the star here. I really like the movement and the feel of this. I like how it propels itself along, and even through some really cheesy bits, some really schlocky, you know, Red Shoe Diaries type bits. Because I mean, X Files, this ain't Red Shoe Diaries. It might be. Let's keep it in the Decovneo. But uh, yeah, but it's good though. It's a little bit unsane. And a little bit, devil made me do it, but I liked it. I really liked it. It's good fun. Clearly not Messed a first. Clearly not a first date movie though, because you can't really say to a first date you're going to go and take them to see something called suitable flesh. <laughs> says, says you, pal. How do you think I? How do you think I fare on first dates? Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why I'm single because I do that with first dates. That's that's clearly what it is. Now I, I haven't put two and two together until now. You have helped me this day, sir. Thank you. Well, you know what you need to be? You need to be more of a cat person. <laughs> yes, exactly. As we shall discuss next. Oh, my God. Funny funny. you said it off the back of that conversation because, yeah, that movie is about dating. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, excellent. Well, if you do want to watch Suitable Flesh, it's in cinemas from today. And as I mentioned, cat person, all about dating. Van's seen it. We'll see what he thinks next. So stay there. Hello and welcome back for another movie to talk about now on off screen cat person if you listen to the previous part that we were uh, that we were talking about it's a dating movie from what you said van which kind of makes sense with a title like that yeah, this is the new movie from Susanna Fogel, who previously directed another movie weirdly about like dating she seems to have a thing about dating gone wrong like this seems to be a thing and I mean she also wrote book smarts worth worth noting but obviously we know Olivia Wilde uh, directed that. Uh, but yeah, she did uh, The Spy the spy Who Dumped Me. That was it. The Spy Who Dumped Me with Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. She, she directed that. Uh, so she's back. She's got this one now. And this follows Amelia Jones as a, uh, a college student, who a US college student, um, contemporary star. She works at a, uh, a, a sort of boutique cinema in her college town that only shows old throwback movies. And... Um, one day, she meets a customer, played by Nicholas Braun, or who's Cousin Greg in succession. So Cousin Greg walks in, and uh, she sort of tries to engage with him, and it doesn't quite go awry, but then they wind up connecting anyway, and a sort of an unlikely uh, romance starts to develop 
as they get to know one another largely via text. As she starts to then spend more time with him in person, however, she starts to think, something's not quite right here, and there's a fair few red flags. Do I ignore these red flags, or can I process them? Am I right when I'm wrong? And it becomes this exploration of basically standard female... Uh, and and the, the, the paranoia that society enforces on the female experience versus empowerment in the form of a psycho thriller genuinely okay so i've got a clip for at least that's how it's that's how it starts anyway i i i don't want to say more than that but that's kind of how it goes put it this way this you would put this in a box set with um you'd put this in a box set with promising young woman and fresh like those two, the, the cannibal one and the uh, the vengeful uh, psychotic one. So have a wow. listen. This this is the first meeting between the pair. So you get a sense of what cousin Greg's like in this one. But this is this is the pair meeting for the first time. Um, I'll do a large popcorn and red vines. It's an unusual choice. Thank you. I don't think I've actually ever seen someone buy red vines. Okay. I guess you're wondering why we sell them then, if nobody buys them. Thanks. Wow, that sounds painfully awkward. It really is, isn't it? Um, I mean, like I say, instantly when you see him on screen, you just think, like, oh my God, it's Cousin Greg! And... And then you start to, to, I mean, I immediately thought of how uh, similar tonally it felt to particularly the first 20 minutes or so of Fresh, which that was Daisy Edgar-Jones and Sebastian Stan. As I hear, it's Amelia Jones and, uh, and Nicholas Braun. Um, Amelia, I mean, I've got such a crush on Amelia Jones after this, I'm not going to lie. Um, this was very definitely written by someone with first-hand experience of contemporary dating. I can, I can, I have to say that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because this, this is all, all the steps in there. Yeah. Um, I find myself wondering how much they had to pay for how much of Empire Strikes Back they use um, in this. Uh, but this, I, it's a really well done movie. Um, there's some really effective uh, sort of. I'll say fantasy flashes, but they're not. Fantasy implies they're positive or upbeat. They're not. They're like nightmare flashes. That you know, she envisions the things that he could do to her, and, and things like this. It's, it's really nasty at times, but it's done in this really slick, but quite smirking, but effectively smirking way. Uh, the first two acts of it comprise a sort of a, a, a really a, a basically comprise a, a great and quite insightful story of a young woman attempting to let her guard down in not only a society that institutionally um, devalues uh, the safety and comfort of women, but, I say, the sluice of, you know, the unfiltered horror of contemporary dating. (laughs) And then you have a sequence. You know, like, they have to do the thing, for instance, with, uh, you know, that that experience for a woman walking home alone at night, you know, just Mm -hmm. walking the street at night. And they they try and add this empowerment through the use of uh, Gimme More by Britney Spears, which, you know, the... I mean, we're saying this the week the Britney book finally comes out, which I have yet to read, by the way, and I really want to. I want to read the Britney book. I have no shame. I want to read the Britney book. Yeah, me too. Um, 
but yeah, so you know, you get the sequence where she's doing the you know the walk through the dark street, and it's it, Britney. It's Britney, bitch. You're like, yes, oh, I'm loving the vibe of this. So it has the tone of fresh, but then occasionally those flourishes of promising young woman. Um, <laughs> that really only applies to the, uh, the, the uh, to the first two acts. So the third act just goes mental. Um, uh, Geraldine uh, Vis- Viswanathan, I think her name is, uh, is my MVP in this. She pl- I know her mostly for playing John Cena's daughter in Ballers. And uh, she's, I think she's really great and really wonderfully used here uh, as a sort of audience POV character. She gets to be the bitch run kind of a character. And uh, she's that writ large, but they don't overuse her. And like I say, I really love that balance of paranormal versus uh, empowerment. It's essentially a psycho thriller born of misinterpretation. And then, oh my God, there is a reveal. Uh, there's a reveal that will knock you for six. It, it ends perfectly. It, it sticks the landing every time. None of its reveals feel cheap. And then middle of it all is Nicholas Braun, you know, Cousin Greg, who's just fun to watch. Uh, I had a really, really good time uh, with Cat Person. I didn't expect anything of it. Hadn't watched the trailer. Knew nothing of this. I just watched it though this is a blast and god it's nice to know that someone's had you know worse dates than me recently as a single guy it sounds to me like watching this might put us off of dating for life uh, it, it's, it's 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 entirely possible it, it really <laughs> is um yeah i mean the, honestly there were points in this where i was like what the and yeah it's 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 a really well done movie. Hats off to Susanna Fogel for this one. I just thought this was really well done and really well cast. I thought Amelia Jones and Nicholas Braun are really good in this. Like then they're a really good pairing. They play the awkward chemistry thing really well. I say like, really good time. No notes there. Uh, but yeah, I would I would I would watch this again in a heartbeat. I had a really good time. Cat person. Yeah, if you want to watch it, it's in cinemas from today. Just search for Cat Person. I'm sure it's showing near you somewhere. All right, we've got one last ride, one last movie. It's called Retribution, and we'll see what fans (laughs) thought of that in just a second. Stay where you are. Hello and welcome back to the show for one last movie to talk about. Uh, Van has seen it. It is out in cinemas from today, and it's called retribution and it's got one of my favorite actors in liam neeson are you are you a neeson fan are you oh yes ever since taken like straight away uh, like yeah i really like what you do um so strap yourself in for this one this is this is boilerplate liam neeson territory but it comes with a with a fun little uh, little cherry on top so um, so Liam Neeson is Matt Turner. Matt Turner is an American investment banker, I think, or something like that, who uh, works in Berlin. He lives with his family in Berlin. He's married to M. Beth Davids. He has a teenage son and a teenage daughter, and uh, and he's uh, got this uh, uh, best mate that he runs his company with, who's played by Matthew Modine. And they and, and this is the situation. One day he takes his kids. They get in his uh, his, his nice shiny new hundred thousand dollar Mercedes SUV. He's about to drive the kids to school. He's panicking over some business deal, and his phone rings, and a mysterious voice on the end of the line says, "There's a bomb in your car. There are precious precious plates under all of your seats. If anybody gets out of the car, the the car will explode. Now do what I say." <laughs> 
And what then follows is, as you can imagine, uh, a cat and mouse, you know, voice on the end of a, a your phone booth formula again. As Liam Neeson is forced to from behind, solely from behind the wheel, you know, execute a series of tasks at the behest of this unknown madman. Have a listen. Dad, don't do this. Five. Please. Please. Dad, don't. Dad, don't do this, okay? He's your friend. Matt, let me get out. Dad, he's your friend. Don't do this. Three. God, God forgive me. Please. Matt. God forgive me. Let me go. Two. Dad, Dad, he's your friend. What are you doing? Dad, don't. Shoot him. No. I can't. There it was. I was waiting for that explosion. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And then it happened. I'm Um, getting speed vibes from this. Please tell me it's not that predictable. It is. It is closer to, to the for, the phone booth formula or uh, Night of the Hunter that we had recently. You know, the scary voice on the phone kind of thing. Yeah. Um, this is. This has got a bit of directorial heft to it. Uh, well, not heft really, but swagger. Uh, thanks to Nimrod Antal uh, being behind it. Nimrod Antal directed Control uh, and Predators. Uh, in 2010, I'm, a, I'm quite a big fan of Predators. I think, mean, uh, you know, I'll, Same. I'll, 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 I'll f with Predators, as they say. Um, it's got a great moment early on in which uh, the dialogue at its most cheesy has Matthew Modine turn to uh, Liam Neeson via FaceTime and say, "You're a credit to capitalism," and you're like, "Oh God, it's going to be one of them, <laughs> isn't it?" Uh, I mean, it's got it's got a terribly obvious uh, villain reveal that makes no logistical sense whatsoever. Um, it's got a pretty obvious ending, but it's one of those quite delightfully crap middle of the road dad thriller gubbins type affairs. You know what I mean? Like, if if you like a hundred minute, if you're just in it for you know a nuts and bolts ninety to a hundred minute Liam Neeson thriller. Fine, you know, because this is on par with that the ice one he did the other year, the one where he's driving the ice truck, for instance. Cold Pursuit. This feels like kind of about that level of phoned in, or or the commuter. I would say the commuter. It kind of feels like as well. It, it's not particularly brilliant, but you know what? It's gormless enough fun that you you're quite content to sort of just switch your brain off and go with it. Um, cellular. That's a movie you could compare it with as well, actually. With um, We talked about that recently, you and I. Uh, Cellular was phone booth, but it moved around. It had Chris Evans on a mobile phone and Kim Basinger. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this would be kind of like that, except he's confined to a car. He literally can't get out of the car. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite an effectively used idea. Um, decent, uh, say decent supporting cast in Matthew Modine and Beth Davids et al. Uh, Jack Champion incidentally. I, this this I, I didn't realise it was him at first. I thought this this kid playing his son seems really familiar. So eventually I just IMDB'd it and he's Jack Champion. He's Spider from Avatar 2 The Way of Water. You know the, the sort of feral Tarzan kid that grows up on on Pandora He's, he's that actor. Apparently he was in Scream 5 or 6 or whatever, and I just didn't notice either. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. This is uh, this is kind of gormless enough, middle of the road, but I was able to just switch my brain off and just be like, okay, Nimrod, take me away. 
which sounds like I was insulting the man when you think you remove <laughs> it from context, really. But yeah, no, I really liked Retribution. Uh, you should check this one out. I think you'd, you'd enjoy this. If you're a Neeson fan, Adam, this is right up your alley. What's, what was the, before we move on, what was the worst thing about this movie? Do you have something, the worst? Ooh. Do you know, I, I mean, other than it being really predictable and also making no sense, like, put it this way, he can't get out of the car, for instance. They, they said that, you know, once you get the setup, I can't get out of the car, I can't get off the seat, pressure, pressure plate, etc. Yeah. You see, I think, like, there's logistically only so many ways from, like, a writer POV. There's really only so many ways you can end that. And you're thinking, yeah. either, he, either he has to die, or, and I know what I'd do, and then that's the thing they actually do. You know, right, and then, okay. they, then they do then they do the whole, you know, who is this person that's taunting him? Why is this person taunting him specifically? It has to be someone personal. But it makes no sense when it's revealed who it is, particularly given specific events that happened earlier in the movie, that you're just like, I don't see how you did that on a practical level. But never mind. Uh, so yeah, you take, it for, take it for what it is then and just sit mm. back and let a, an action-packed Liam Neeson film wash over you. You'll enjoy it, basically, is what you're saying. It, it, exactly. Yeah, I think it's it's not only in cinemas, but it's on Sky Cinema, uh, I think, this oh. one as well. So uh, I think it's a Sky Cinema, like simultaneous release or something like that. So nice. uh, you, it's possible to stay home tonight and watch this. So, yeah, you know, does that, yeah, does yeah. That go with me? As the weather gets colder, nice to stay mm. on the sofa, get the duvet out and uh, shove a movie on so you can see it. You need just. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect for this time of year. So there you go. Search for it. If you uh, have Sky, you can watch it there on Sky Movies or you can catch it in a cinema near you from today. Um, right. That's it for this week. Let's quickly talk about next week. We have got uh, Nobody Has to Know. I don't know anything about this one. Yeah, I think this is um, might be an Irish set. This stars Michelle Fairley from Game of Thrones. I know that much about it. I did. I, I did watch the trailer actually a while back, and uh, it did, did intrigue me. We've also got uh, On the Adamant, which I believe is about a uh, a mental health uh, treatment. Uh, we've got uh, because we didn't get to cover it this week. We're going to talk about Five Nights at Freddy's next week, which uh, I've really been looking forward to because I like the games. So it's neat for me. Like they've made a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. <clears throat> we've also got Chris Evans and Emily Blunt in Pain Hustlers next week. The new movie from Kitty Green, um, who did The Assistant a few years ago. She's back uh, with The Royal Hotel. And something of a buzzy South by Southwest style hit um, out of the US, Bottoms, which I think is sort of a book smart, super bad type uh, movie for LGBT teens, I think. Ah, awesome. Okay, well, there's quite a mix for next week then, which is uh, quite yeah. exciting. Well, that is all we have time for this week on Off Screen. We shall return next week. Until then, I've been Adam Ball. I've been Van Connor, and as always, we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>